transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. safe travels at the beginning of any journey and at the beginning of Make Me an Island number nine, that's Phil Pratt with Safe Travel. Phil Pratt recorded that in 1965. He was a protege, another one of Coxone Dodd at Studio One. That was never released and he went into production, uh, but what a great tune. He made an impact in the production uh, field as well and kind of in the rapid fire opening round, going to play a couple of those, starting with this one, the beautiful Arte Belle by Ken Booth. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, 
Two from uh, Phil Pratt Productions. First of all, uh, Arte Belle from uh, Ken Booth. And there's a couple of versions of that. I think that's uh, the best one. And right there, Phil Pratt Thing. And that was the beginning of the career of Big Youth. And that was in 1972. You're listening to Make Me an Island. And today, uh, among the places we're going to visit is the Bahamas. And in particular, to listen to the music of Exuma. And uh, the Exumas are, in fact, uh, the archipelago of 365 islands in the Bahamas, something I didn't know till today. Uh, so McFarlane Gregory Anthony McCabe is Exuma and uh, he was an artist, playwright and uh, best known for his almost unclassifiable music, which is a very strong mixture 
of carnival and calypso and reggae and African and all sorts of folk music too. Um, his lyrics were deeply immersed in West African and Jamaican tradition of obeya, a system of spiritual healing practices developed among enslaved West Africans in the West Indies, practiced by many on the islands of the Bahamas. In a 1970 interview, McKay, as eczema, said, the electrical part of his being came from beyond Mars down to Earth on a lightning bolt. He described his music as all music that has ever been written and all music not yet written. It's feeling, emotion, the sound of man, the sound of day, the sound of night and electrical forces. Page arena, page arena, and Sarah C. Page arena, page arena. 
talking yesterday about uh, mystical invocations in relation to uh, Lee Perry but there's a lot of that going on there as well so a be a man was the persona that he uh, created and um, in doing so creating an image and a persona that fit his music McKay drew upon his Bahamian memories of the Obia man Bahamian life was rooted in West African tradition McKay was a knowledgeable practitioner of bush medicine I grew up as a roots person, someone knowing about the bush and the herbs and the spiritual realm. It was inbred into all of us, just like for people growing up in the lowlands of the Delta country or places in Africa. I remember the Obia man from my childhood. He's the one with the colourful robes who would deal with the elements and the moonrise, the clouds and the vibrations of the earth. So I decided to call myself Exuma, the Obia man. And the first two albums uh, from which these tracks are taken uh, were released in 1970 and 1971. And if you uh, look those up, you'll get a, get a good picture of what he's talking about with the Obia man. Um, so he arrived in New York in 1961. Uh, by the end of the decade, he was making incredible music. And it's really interesting how the conditions in which somebody who arrives with no knowledge of any instrument or have never, have never having sang or written songs can end up making incredible music. And I guess uh, destiny is part of it. Certainly, uh, Eczema is one of those people who uh, was always striving for some kind of perfection. And uh, in that sense, he got there on this tune in particular. I think you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on You don't know what's going on You can't make the world go round You don't know what's going on Yeah, yeah, today and tomorrow you're gone When the holy cow is milking And the greenbacks are rolling King and queen, but when the green back turn brown and you fall down, what you gonna do, baby? Oh,
think it's fair to say there's lots of New Orleans in his music too and uh, unsurprisingly he became uh, a big favourite at the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Um, he only lived to 55 and a very tragic thing happened in 1974 just after those two records where his ex-wife and son were murdered in an apartment in New York City by somebody who he had across, who lived across uh, the way from them, uh, who... Um, who Eczema had intervened in some sort of fight with his ex-girlfriend, so it was a really tragic thing happened. Um, but he kept on making music. Nothing uh, really matched that early period, uh, but he kept on making music all the way through the 70s and the 80s too. Um, one of the things that was, uh, I found incredibly interesting, there was, in, in when I heard him first, um, I kind of thought maybe there's hints of uh, some Nina Simone in there. And uh, after uh, delving more deeply into his life, I discovered that it was the other way around because Nina Simone, uh, sort of in 1971 or thereabouts, uh, it's in her biography, um, you know, one of the many periods where her life was falling apart, she escaped to the Bahamas. And I don't know what the actual circumstances of her uh, encounter, maybe she did encounter him, I'm not sure, but um, by 1974 she had... Uh, performed uh, three of his songs live and I was blown away to discover that this one was written by Eczema. Beginning of the end was the 21st 
Don't want no preacher, don't want no preacher 
no doubt apocalyptic 22nd century by Nina Simone from 1974 and I've always been very much fascinated by that song but even more so now that I know uh, that the roots of it, the sound uh, and her choice of song came from her time uh, spent while she was in deep personal trouble in the Bahamas in 1971. So you're listening to Make Me an Island, uh, number nine, and as you know, by now, it follows no chronological or geographical order. Uh, so from the Bahamas, we're going to pay, uh, pay our jump uh, over to Ghana, and uh, we're going to take a couple of tunes uh, from the northern region of Ghana and the sound of Farafra. <laughs> Yeah. 
from guy one that's yellow men to la goosey and i've been telling you the last few days about uh, how i found lots of these records but when it comes to african music i don't claim to know much at all but in uh, lots of what i do know uh, comes from a place called lucky's in stony batter and um, the thing is back when having your hair cut was a thing uh, that's the place I went to all the time and have done for many years and uh, there is some hair cutting going on there but there's lots of other things too and uh, including plenty of laughter and sometimes dancing too so over the over the course of the years going there and and having uh, taken uh, many tunes uh, on my way out as in uh, discovered lots of music while I was there I got to the level after a few years where I was able to choose some tunes, maybe over Friday. And in doing so, I discovered lots about the uh, hidden uh, things that we know nothing about when it comes to African music and those little uh, rivalries, etc. And uh, I guess to put it in context, if um, any of you have tried to play Dirty Old Town at the Barbers in the UK, maybe something along those lines. But in discovering that, I also found out that Ghanaian music seems to uh, be universally liked. And uh, so I played this next tune and it went down very well indeed. And again, it's from the same region um, as Guy One, whom you just heard there, the Fra Fra region in uh, Ghana. So I'm just going to read a tiny little thing before I play this incredible music from that same place. Born to a Fra Fra father and an Aki mother, Alagte Oho grew up in the rainforest of southern Ghana before moving up to the land of the Fra Fra, the savannah of northern Ghana, as a young boy. Growing up in Namu, his father's village of origin, he was deeply impressed by the glorious moments he experienced during the services at the village's church. All that singing and drumming ensured he was the first at church every Sunday, long before the service even started. His only wish at the time was to be old enough to join the church choir. When he turned 13, his wish came true, and he instantly had his first studio experience as the choir recorded a series of cassettes on which he performed. I would urge you to actually go to the YouTube and check out Alagte Oho Live. You'll see some of that church choir performances. But for now, the incredible Zota Yini.
Sackler at Lucky's. That's uh, from Alogte Oho and his Sounds of Joy. What an appropriate name for a band. It's incredible music and we're going to go back to Ghana at a later point. In fact, before we end the show today, I should say that we're going to go back to that thread um, of Nina Simone and Exenba, but I think it's time we should have another Alogte Oho. This one is called Ma Yine Yi. The 
find an album by Alogte Oho, it's spelled A-L-O-G-T-E-O-G-O, and his Sounds of Joy on Bandcamp, and both of those tunes are on that LP, and I'd urge you to go there. Zyoti Yini first, and that Mam Yini Yi, that's by Alogte Oho. So, uh, it's a circuitous route, but back we go to talking about eczema and, uh, and Nina Simone. Um, eczema moved to uh, from Bahamas to New York in 1961. In 1960, there was um, a very unusual album, became a big hit um, across the States and worldwide by Babatunde Olatunji. And I've no doubt, but this sound uh, throughout the, the subsequent nine years that Eczema was living in New York City before he made the incredible sounds we heard at the start of the programme, uh, he was undoubtedly listening to this man. Also, a big influence on Nina Simone, and in fact, he plays the drums on the Nina Simone's 22nd century that he heard earlier on. I'm going to play you something in a second, but I just want to tell you uh, that he is Baba Tunde Ola Tunji, credited as being one of the first musicians to bring genuine African music to Western years en masse, having burst onto the scene in 1960 with his debut, Drums of Passion. It was the first known album of traditional West African drumming and chants to be recorded in the United States, and was released during a high time of political and cultural change, including appearing alongside epochal jazz recordings by Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Charlie Mingus and Ornette Coleman. I'll tell you a little bit more about him after you hear this.
Wowo, that's Babatunde Ola Tunji. And in Nina Simone's case, uh, their paths actually crossed, they collaborated, and he became uh, her drummer for a while and uh, recorded that live album in a lifetime in 1974 with her. And in Eczema's case, it's just conjecture on my part, but uh, I can't see that there isn't a link between that music being huge in New York City in the 60s and, and uh, Eczema's progression into the great artist that he became. You've been listening to Make Me an Island, number nine, and hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been a circuitous uh, route around the musical universe, and as is customary, I guess, at this stage. Uh, but we'll be back again uh, with number 10 very soon. In closing, though, I want to give you a little bit uh, more about Babatundi, Ola Tunji, and the backstory of how Babatunde Ola Tunji got to make such a groundbreaking record is every bit as momentous as Drums of Passion itself. The life that burst forth from its deep grooves is by no means coincidental. There are ancient spirits at work. The message being imparted is on a grand scale. This is the original big music. The long road from the tiny Nigerian village of Ajido to Radio City Music Hall in New York City took three decades to travel. He was born in 1927 into the Yoruba tribe who profess allegiance to the power of the drum. The dun-dun hourglass tension drums that form the spine of this record are the heartbeat of his people's vernacular. The beat is fundamental. It's the punctuation of the nation. As a child, Babatunde attended ceremonies by Yoruba dun-dun ensembles. The leader is the Onyalu who uses the drum to talk by imitating the tonality of the Yoruba. It's not just about the rhythm. These drums have got something to say. So the music was in his veins, but outside forces also played a role in filling Babatunde's head with big dreams and magical thoughts. The wireless had come to rural Nigeria during his youth. A whole new world of sound came through the shortwave BBC broadcasts. Bami West African nights were lit up by the sound of Dizzy Gillespie, Count Basie and Duke Ellington. Babatunde's head was turned and he applied for a scholarship to study political science in the US. He was still on that path and moonlighting as a musician when he came to the attention of the legendary John Hammond at the Radio City concert in 1958. The man who discovered Billie Holiday and Aretha Franklin was quick to recognise the quality he had stumbled upon. He signed him to Columbia and produced this magical recording within a year. The story the music tells does justice to its wonderful prologue. It's testament to the power of the beat itself. Goodbye now.